You're listening to the Flame of Throne Blogcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be a do-it-yourself musician. Songwriting, recording, touring, marketing, music gear, good old-fashioned band banter. It's me, Snake. We're all snakes. Flame of Throne is a metal band from Perth, Australia. For more info, head to flameofthrone.com and subscribe to this show in your podcast app. You are listening to the Claim of Throne Blodgecast, episode number 70. I'm sitting here with my buddy Owen Thomas, who's filling in for Cabot today, who is in bed, nursing a hangover and possibly his uh, vagina at the same time. <laughs> How you going, Owen? Man, I'm pretty good. And so, I just need to fill in for you and then Jesse. And you filled Cabot on for vocals. <laughs> and then I filled in for everyone. Yeah, but well, technically I am filling in for him for vocals today. Yeah, yeah. So that'll count. Sick. And then I, I can be claim the throne. Yeah. So Owen's alluding to the fact that he's filled in for claim the throne a number of times on a tour last year at our Triumph Beyond launch. He played guitar for that. Yeah, and then a I butchered shows. the piece out of three new songs just recently. No, three new songs to me. Two new songs from. The new album. The new album. The year as yet unreleased yeah, new album. probably fucking totally fucked a few things up. But Man. luckily playing bass, no one gives a shit anyway. That's it. That's it. That's what I always say. Don't worry about it too much. Um, if you want, just pretend like you're playing. Turn the volume down. <laughs> the, so that actually happened. I fucking... Yeah, after a song, I just rolled the volume off on that sick-ass bass of yours. The... Oh, my P-bass. P-bass. That's a sick... Yeah, sick piece of equipment there. Rolled the volume off and then next minute, next song starts and I'm, what the fuck? Just total brain fart and didn't realise I'd turned it down on myself. And I'm looking around like, yeah, sick, this isn't working. I know what the fuck's going on. But just You pretending? Yeah, just continued on, <laughs> like miming the whole thing. Yeah. And Wosley, Josh is standing like right there and I don't know, it's always intimidating having someone that actually plays bass standing right in front of you. And I'm a pretty nervous cat most of the time and uh, looking around and like, yeah, fuck yeah, no sound coming out of anywhere. Turn around, looking at shit like, fucking, what's going on? Everything's on there, don't know what's happening. Halfway through the song, realise that the volume's actually been turned down, turn it back up and, but yeah, no one gave a fucking flying fuck so that was pretty good. Man, we've had all sorts of things. We got filmed in um, Sydney. I think it might have been a Fintroll tour. And first song, there were some dudes out there, yeah, we're going to film the set. We're going to put it in a little uh, montage on YouTube. And first song, triggers were just like kick once and it goes... <laughs> and I'm like, so instantly I'm already, okay, cool. Next thing was I couldn't move the tom and I kept getting my stick caught under it when I was doing rolls. So I dropped a stick and I think it's still on YouTube, dropped a stick twice in the first bloody 30 seconds of a song and I was like blasting with these um, kicks underneath that were supposed to just be like a steady like a whatever. But they were like (laughs) and it's, yeah, it's funny because you just look out and it's, if you pull a face, people... People go, oh, something was something was up in the first song. Yeah. But if you don't and you just play through it and go, okay, end of this song, I'm going to move that bloody tom and I'm going to either turn my triggers off or just, just mess with the sensitivity, mm. which is like a common thing because you set up stuff like that for your kick drum and I've got a 24-inch kick and 
the settings on that have to be different than a 22. Anyway, boring stuff, but <laughs> but yeah. You, I'm just glazing over here. No, I was taking it all in though, but yeah. But you're in a situation playing bass, you're normally a guitarist. Oh, but it's so so your, the whole thing was such a such a weird thing. You know, coming from a farm, here I am like just some backwater town and then rock up. It's just so, such an assault to the senses, eh, that whole thing. Because I hadn't been to a local gig for ages either. No rehearsal. No rehearsal. Just been, yeah, just nutting it out on the um, computer and just jamming along with some tracks. The, the Ash actually recorded some uh, the jam that you had the, the week of the gig and practice to that but yeah just and get up there and there's fucking people everywhere it's just so weird for me to be just thrown into that environment and then yeah i guess when you're playing live and you something fucks up key is not to not to make a face or show like you fucked something up yeah act natural yeah which is super hard to do but yeah it was it was good fun and caught up with heaps of dudes i hadn't seen for ages which was awesome and yeah, just people you wouldn't really normally go and out of your way to catch up with and bumping into them and, oh, fuck, yeah, I remember that dude and, like, oh, awesome, like, great to see you and had some good chats and, yeah, it was just a fucking, yeah, it was a good, good little experience there. It's good to do it every once in a while. Yeah, it is pretty crazy because I feel like that a bit lately. As my life has got progressively busier, I can't get down to as many shows because there's always so many other commitments Mm. um yeah i'd love to get down to lots more um and that's part of the reason honestly that i do this podcast is to kind of connect somehow with the scene and Mm. in perth and australian music in general because it seems it feels a bit weird like only playing a show once in a blue moon in your hometown and attending a show maybe twice as regularly as i play which isn't a lot um, and I live in Perth, so I can't mm. even imagine you being down at the bloody Bremer pub on a Friday yeah, um, watching so weird. some bluegrass dude from Denmark <laughs> or something and then cruising up to Perth to like a local heavy metal show. Yeah, it was crazy, hey? New and old it was, faces. It was pretty sick. It was really good. Like I said, to see people we just haven't seen for ages, like years. I'm talking fucking five, six years maybe some people, hey, I reckon. Do you, do you miss that? Like, this, like having a metal scene? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I do have a hankering to go to a gig every once in a while and maybe not a local gig <laughs> necessarily and I'm not dissing that but just I haven't been to a fucking proper gidge since Carcass and Napalm, I think. Really? That was ages ago. Yeah, and there's been a few things come through town that I could have gone to but yeah, I don't know. When it rolls around, I'm always just looking at the weather and worried about missing out on some epic surf or something <laughs> usually, which will sound fucking hilarious to a lot of people. But Oh, and it's two tanks of fuel, uh, six oh, hours each way. Oh, but I do get way. three diesel, so that's pretty sweet. Well, but you know, like, it's, yeah. an, it's, an, it's a mission and you got kids oh, and yeah, for do sure. people like, look, Cabba's not on the podcast today because he had a big night last night <laughs> and he lives about 10 minutes from here. Yeah, you know, Weak so as yes, <laughs> bloody hell, cabber. But yeah, that's that's it. Like um, last night, we were supposed to go to something, but yeah, some stuff came up, had to deal with some issues, and then yeah, before you know it, it's too late, and you've missed out on what you had to do. And speaking of connecting with the scene, do you have a comment section on this? Is there a comment section on this blogcast wherever it's posted or not? Uh, well, there's always, there's the Claim of Throne Facebook and Twitter accounts 
where Cabba will post. So you can comment on the apps themselves. Yeah, cool. When cool. Cabba pludges them. But when it, as far as um, comment sections, I think there's... I think you can make comments on the website. I should just check that. But I don't know if people would, but it would be pretty awesome because there is no real forum thing going on anymore anyway. Mm. And you were saying that this has sort of like been pretty cool because you've had people come up to you saying, oh, it's sick of being listening to the podge and it's like a real you know, good little connection thing for the whole scene and that. It would be awesome if there was a comment section where people could yeah, just voice their opinion on the fucking blodge. We did used to have it. Remember when we had like claimathrone.com and then .net for the oh yeah for this thing the WordPressy thing yeah. But then that that didn't get too much action aside mm. from um, yeah Amos Polglazers who would who would comment on there and stuff. And anyone who who wants to reach out will reach out in any respect. Yeah, for sure. Like, I suppose there's no point forcing nothing, but yeah, it'd be yeah. awesome to see that happen. It could progress, but that's also why we get people on like. Um, you know, recently, a big one for us was the Smitty episode, Ryan Smith. That was really sick, man. Yeah. I enjoyed I that. I thought it was cool. It was actually great editing that, just to hear it again. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Have a few drinks and have a fun chat. Because that was, that was in-house as well. Yeah, yeah. Those ones are always fun. Yeah, that was awesome, man. I listened to that when I was driving and yeah, it was sick. It just really was quite captivating, the whole thing. Getting back to when you say, do I miss that sort of thing? Yeah, I guess I do miss that. But being, you know, such a fucking um, surf dude and, and, and also loving metal, which is, which is weird in the whole surf community and stuff anyway, it's probably more old school than anything like some of the 80s surfers and stuff like that, fully into the, you know, the old school heavy metal and stuff. So I find that it's, it's a, it does clash quite a bit, you know what I mean? You're out fucking late and, you you know, you get drunk and hung over and shit and you wake up the next morning miss out on the on the good surf in the morning and stuff like that so it's it is good that i can come up and just do that shit in just like bursts you know what i mean like here and there spread out through the year as opposed to being up here in the scene so i do miss it but i do get to have a healthy dose of it every once in a while when i'm filling in for claim the throne or whatever and stuff like that just fucking get just get your dirty fucking ass metal head on you know what i mean and then and then, you know, go back to my normal life down in Bremer and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's cool, man. Like, hmm. so yeah, you get, get the best of both worlds being able to, you know, boost up and do shit like that. It's pretty cool. It's important. Back when we first had you on, it, like we were talking about how cool it was that you were doing point breakdown from your isolated spot because of the new technology with like <laughs> um, little home recording rig and that I was really fully getting into it back then and just going, oh, for this much money, I can get a little set up and just not go to a studio and pay all this money. Coming from then, it seems like every second person I know has a little home demo rig. And what we used to think was like wicked recording gear is just like a demo rig quality these days. And interestingly enough, I've been uh, listening to this new, it's a I think guitar player magazine. I don't know if it's their podcast or they just sponsor it, but the... It's called No Guitar Is Safe. Yeah. And just hearing all these dudes. I can't wait to listen to that. Man, on it. so rad. But all what was interesting about it so far is all these guys, whether they be like virtuoso shredders. So I've only listened to a few, but Paul Gilbert, obviously one of the best guitarists of all fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Steve Vai as well. And um, who was the other one? Pete Thorne, uh, who's a does like wicked gear demos, but he's also been like Chris Cornell's lead guitarist and stuff. They all have different 
styles of home studios and varying levels of like Steve Vai is obviously a bit more wealthy and he's got the actual studio mm. in his back shed. And then I think like Pete Thorne's more like our setups, you know. Impulses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's just interesting that sort of doesn't matter where you are in the world these days or what level of commitment you have to live music or record producing or being a bedroom player. Like the mm. lines are starting to get blurred. Yeah, for sure. And the latest episode of that one um, was this guy Pliny. I think Pliny or Pellini or something. He has been on tour. He's from Sydney. He's been on tour with Animals as Leaders. I was at the Animals as Leaders show and I didn't <sighs> catch the support bands. So I missed out. But yeah, again, Smitty told me about Pliny. He told me his story and I was like, hang on a minute. That's a dude from bloody this podcast. And I, I listened to it. And yeah, he just started in his bedroom with an Axe FX and a little, I think he's got a little focus right. He's got a rack version, but pretty much like a Scarlet interface. Uh, Really small, like tiny speakers. Mm. Um, Yeah, and just started just working on his songwriting, getting tones from what he had. Mm. And um, yeah, got it. He's a ripper and he's got some cool compositions. But yeah, got like some international notoriety, just releasing stuff on Bandcamp and now he's a big muso. But he doesn't necessarily need to make and no one does need to make a leap into live playing yeah. if you're selling stuff on Bandcamp, yeah you can be a renowned musician these days from your house and just work a day job or it's madness yeah it's really crazy what are your thoughts on um your little studio setup do you it's a lot harder i guess with um because yeah you're focusing so much on surfing and everything like that <laughs> but what but what's your uh, attitude towards writing music like I don't. Know, I just don't want to be one of those guys that's like, oh, look, man, yeah, I used to play music and uh, I used to be in a band, but I just don't have time for that shit anymore. Which is why I'm still trying to keep the old finger in the pie there somehow, because I do fucking love it, and I probably don't spend as much money as that on surf equipment because it's definitely taken over my life, and yeah, like fucking, this, the equipment is so fragile and shit. If anyone knows surfboards. So I go through them, you know, every 12 months and then you board, which is 600 to 800 bucks a pop. So it's like a new guitar. Yeah, I know, which would last a lifetime. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I just, I just really, I don't know, I just really love it and I've always just love heavy music and riffs and shit. So I just really want to try to keep producing something, whether or not it's, you know, for anyone but myself. Yeah, who gives a shit? But it's just good to share with yourself and cabaret, you know, other people and, you know, just to see how how good quality you can get out of such cheap gear or, you know, just as just to produce the best possible sounds and stuff that you can with the particular setup and, you know, it's yeah, it's just good fun. It's a good challenge, I suppose. Do you find that your um your interest in actually recording your music sometimes takes away from the actual the composition music? Yeah. <laughs> yeah do you reckon yeah for sure because i get that i find that sometimes i find a, a new thing or like i've got my amp set up there ready to ready to roll and i was tinkering with that shit for a couple of weeks miking up and just mucking around just in between mm. work and 10 minutes here an hour here like and i found hang on a minute it's been two weeks and i haven't even played guitar I've been mucking yeah. around with tones and I've been mucking around <laughs> because we, we don't we don't have the luxury of not working. We've got to go yeah. to work and we've got personal lives and do things. So mm. 
and other interests and all that shit. So I don't know. Like it's hard though because you want to. You just sometimes you just want to get down and you want to just write songs and riff and that, but you do have to practice occasionally, which is it's a real pain in the ass because you when you do have fuck all time, you get there. And you're just like, I just want to fucking write something. And then, you know, you realise your chops are pretty shit. <laughs> and you need to probably practice at some point, which is it's a hard medium to to make, you know. You know, Cabba, he's got this attitude towards demoing. And this I could never get this through my head where he'll roll into his little demo room, uh, pick up the guitar, plug it in. As long as he's got a tone, if he writes a riff, he puts it down. If it's mm. sloppy, move on. Who cares? And then he saves up all the quality versions of that for when he actually needs to record for good. Yeah. And for him, he doesn't tend to like actually produce complete stuff. He'll like do it with me and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's like almost like he treats it just as a as a medium for putting his compositions down rather than recording. Whereas I think you yeah. and me sort of blur the worlds a bit. Like yeah. we start getting some good sounds going then we write from there and we're just like, oh, now we're stuck in the middle of a recording project. Yeah. We maybe haven't even finished our songs yet. Yeah, and and the other way is you sort of, you sit down and you get so inspired and you fucking write this whole song. And I've got heaps of stuff that I've recorded at a probably slightly lesser quality than what I'd like. And then you've got to redo it all, you know? Mm. And like you think, oh, fuck, you've got to re... Like, yeah, re-record all that shit, so it's tight and all that sort of crap. And which is, yeah, I've got so much stuff that I've just laid down like pretty slapdash, and is sick. And listening, yeah, that's awesome, awesome. And then comes time to actually lay it down for real, and you just can't be fucked sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and then they're coming back to stuff like that has been written two years ago and stuff. Sometimes you know, and you think fuck. But yeah, I changed my attitude towards recording a little bit. Like I wouldn't start until my guitar tone was insanely close to what I'd want. Yeah, which is what I've started to do recently is if I'm going to lay something down, then it should be at the quality that I'm going to end up with potentially, you know. But do you mean playing-wise or tone or both? Tone probably more so. And and like playing-wise to a point, you know what I mean? Like Mm. not razor, razor ray, but (laughs) sharp enough. Because... The two things that are different about our well, sorry, one thing that's different about our workflows is that you print your tone to disc, like essentially your um, amp chain anyway. Yeah, it comes out of the amp, and then the only thing that isn't printed is the impulse and the EQ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for me, I record DI mm. and. Used, yeah, and it used to drive me nuts and I used to have like a whole chain going where it was like a kick-ass tone. But now I'm just like, you know what? I know that I can reamp this and make it sound good. So I'll just get the tone where it's inspiring enough to play. So I try and not even EQ or anything while I'm just writing something or getting it down. But what I will focus on is getting my playing really awesome. Yep. And so then at the end of it, like, and this is where I feel... Um, Ramping is pretty awesome is that I can, let's say on the day I'm just really feeling this particular thing I'm trying to do and, you know, people talk about emotion. It seems like real dumb. <laughs> I don't think about like emotive playing but there's a certain feel that I can just nail sometimes and yeah. then I try and do it later and I can't capture it. Mm. Um, but I know if I've got a good DI track, I can just take the virtual amp off there and run it back out 
through an amp or just put a different amp tone digitally. Yeah. So may I don't know, like maybe that's something that um that you down the track might look into. Yeah, I think well because eventually we've been talking about it for fucking years, but yeah, eventually upgrading my interface and all that, I think that would definitely be coming through in that because just the quality of capture will be better. So we'll have those options and stuff like that. I think of yeah. reamping and stuff potentially. Lucky my Ash has a um, spare reamp that I don't actually use, Sweet. so I could sling it down your just way. Been. <laughs> Just been copping all the sloppy seconds of Ashes rigs. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually gave I had one that I bought off DIYrecording.com ages ago and I didn't end up using it. Like I used it a bit through my little um my mini setup mm. and it was cool. But then I got a new bit of gear and I found I don't I don't even touch this thing and then I was this guy I used to teach guitar with. Mm. One of the teachers, he was like, oh, I've got an Axe FX and I want to experiment with this. I was like, man, this thing cost me 30 bucks. You can just have it. Yeah. It's cool. And then about two months later, I went, shit, I need it. Yeah. So I went (laughs) and this time I bought two of them because they're cheap. Yeah. Built one of them and one's in pieces. So anyway, if you want to experiment, that would be interesting to, (laughs) I'd like to see how it changes your workflow. Yeah. That'd be cool. Just get it tight and yeah. Because it is interesting because I think, I don't know, a couple of things there. I sort of did do a bit of a pre-production thing, did it the old school way. But I think these days it's probably just easier to to have it in the same file, you know, demo it or whatever or or even like we're saying, capture it as quality as you can as a DI and then – but it's, yeah, it's a funny it's a funny thing to be writing a song like that though, hey, like to mm. have it, you know, lay it down as tight as you can and then – but, you know, I'll go away and fucking listen to it for a year or something <laughs> and <laughs> – think of cool shit afterwards to change and you know go back and forwards and try to improve it but i also found my writing was getting really stale like structure wise yeah so i'm recording on a grid because like the easiest way to um the easiest <laughs> trying to get my mic grip the easiest way to do drums is to program for guys like you and me even though i'm a drummer mm. i don't have space in my house to track live drums so i'll program a track then if I want to re-record the drums down the track, I'll take it to the hen house and my yeah. kit and do it for real. And I've done that for you before and yeah, pretty interesting sort of results. And I think as a team, we're getting better at that. But um, Probably, yeah. Yeah, hell cooked it though on that on those drums you did though. Should have. It'd be cool to go back and remix it or something. But yeah, I don't know. Probably mm. better just to start fresh, I think, some of that stuff. Yeah, you and I over the years have both done that where we've written a song, we've liked it, it's had shit production. Two years later, we're like, you know what? I love that song. I'm going to re-record it. And like for me, it's been a song like uh, Pepe Le Jow, <laughs> which I've re-recorded maybe three different times with di- different levels of um, intent. And mm. another one, that um, that song, I Squeeze Shit, I also <laughs> did, did three times. And yeah, each time I kind of improved, but I just lost the whole thing of the first time. And I think, yeah, you're right. If you're going to re like give a fresh look to the production or something, it may be the original tracks, regardless of quality, are better to go from because it had the thing that made it a cool song in the first place. Yeah. Or just don't even touch it because, yeah. you know, the whole remixing and fucking re-recording shit. You know how bands do that? Who said that? Someone recently. Me. About Arch Enemy. Yeah. Yep. They did a bunch of the old stuff with Angela. They, I think they hand 
handpicked, handpicked, cherry picked the best, their best songs, favorite yep. songs from the first three albums or something. But yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that because because I've done it myself. And I think yeah. it always turns out worse, and you lose something. It's yeah. interesting, but a lot of bands I know do that. I know Cradle of Filth did it with a couple of the songs off the first album. They did years later with a different lineup. Yeah, right. And um, Dimmu Borgia did Stormblast, their first album. They did it again with the same sort of kick-ass modern production they had on... Um, no, who are you talking about? Tornadoes on the Tyranny of Thrones or whatever. Oh, Dimmu, no? Dimmu, yeah, yeah. Dimu. Yeah, sorry. And um, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's really... It feels like if you're going to go to the effort of doing something, you should just do something new. Yeah. Don't be stuck in the past, but also don't... Don't live in the past, bro. Yeah, don't move on from something until it's kind of done. Yeah. Because, I, I, I mean, I don't know how many bloody songs you've got half finished. Uh, and So many. Yeah, and you sort of occasionally, because it's on my iPod or phone, it'll come up in shuffle and you're like, oh, that's right, that song. That's awesome. Fuck yeah, I should redo that. No, And then you forget about it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, there's... Yeah, just the, these half-baked ideas and stuff which are good at the time. But sometimes it might be better just to roll on. You can expand on some of them, but it depends on how finished they are, I suppose, because, yeah, once it's sort of already mapped out and been that way for so long, then it's it's hard to change your brain into thinking of a different possible outcome for that song or different arrangements mm. and stuff. You just... It's better off sometimes just to fucking leave it. Maybe pick a couple of good riffs out of there occasionally, which I've done in the past, but it doesn't always work. But yeah. Do you think that listening to a, a song you've got in demo form relentlessly for like two days and then going back to it imprints in your mind that that's how it has to be? Yeah. And so you, you add to it rather than changing what's already there? Yeah, that does definitely happen sometimes. I think, yeah, yeah. I, guess you have to have an open mind i guess and sometimes just think well you know definitely be improved or you know you just got to think outside the box sometimes but it's hard to do after you've been smashing it into your brain for like because i'll get a song sometimes and i'll listen to it like the whole day mm. how many times would you listen to it in a day like 20 30 more <laughs> i'll smash a demo that i've done before bed and so because you think oh it's sick and there's something particular about that demo that you've done differently and subconsciously i think the fucking composition of that song is just getting rammed into your brain and then you eventually yeah like you say you, you get to a point where that's just the way it's got to be and you can't it's very hard to break out of that break the cycle stained <laughs> and this is the way it's got to be yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so i had that situation a couple of weeks ago where i'd written a song i sent it to you and said what do you think of this is that sort of uh started with like a a rock groove, and then went into some doomier section. Oh, that was the uh, Agalock style upbeat. Mm, no? no, 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 different one, but same, similar sort of thing. Where I just um, I wrote something that went for about two minutes, mm. sent it to you. I said, "Do you think this is any good or is it shit?" <laughs> I listened to it maybe nine thousand times, <laughs> and then about a week later, I just went, "You know what? I like that, but it's fucking boring," and it just. I liked where the parts were going. There was three distinct sections and I just went through and I thought, could I improve those bits? And then I, I think I just, let's say, added a little tail to extend a riff a bit and maybe dropped out this same old lead because it's like, if there's ever a vocal on this, why would there be this constant lead going there? Like, yeah. it just repeats and is boring. So do it for a bit, get rid of it. And then also the end of the song, 
I really focused on making this little melody line that was there, just making it really cool and giving me an opening to be able to move out of it. And that's the big thing I find is that I feel that, okay, it's like three sections and I get to the end and I'm like, where do I go? I don't know. Mm. But I find that if I rework it, I can like sort of change the end so it feels like it's able to go somewhere else. Yeah. Even if that means just repeating an earlier bit, sometimes I find I write myself into a corner (laughs) and I don't know how the hell to get out of it. Yeah. And I think that's where I'd like to explore maybe just like compositional theory or something a bit more, just something to allow me to to just write more interesting stuff because, man, my contributions to Claim of Throne, when I strip them back and play them as chords, it'll be the same four chords throughout a whole song. <laughs> and I'll go, oh, just, okay, it's just all variations on the same thing. Mm. And the better things I've done for Claim of Throne are the ones where it has like distinct parts and it's like there's no way back to that earlier stuff because but it I've probably really isn't a bad it. probably isn't a bad thing having like you're saying the same chords or because then that gives a familiarity for the listener so then it will be catchy or you know coming from a sort of a pop sense not that you really want to be super pop but you do want your songs to be catchy to a point that people latch onto it like you and stuff like that not that you're i don't know it's a it's a it's a fine line to tread because you sort of, you know, you want you want your songs to be good, right? So they do have to have some sort of familiarity, repetition, and one other third thing <laughs> <laughs> to you know to make your songs popular and you know grasp the listener. So it's probably not such a bad thing. And I noticed a few little tricks and stuff that Cab has got that he does a lot of, but I think it's you know it's pretty cool, you know and. Yeah, it, it works for him and he writes catchy songs. Catchy is a word that Cabba loves to use when talking about songwriting. <laughs> Seriously, he does, big time. But last week, I was jamming to Van Halen. Hey, Gary. No, no, no. No, no way. No. Sorry, mate. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, jamming jammed to some Van Halen the other day. And there's two ways that I like to play to songs as a drummer. And that's like either trying to copy and do what they do or sometimes I just use it just as like a click and more interesting than a click track and just do my own thing to it. But yeah, like when I stop and I try and actually mimic what they're doing, I'm like, hang on a minute. When I listen to this song, it's the easiest thing in the world for my head to comprehend. But when I sit down on the kit, my body doesn't naturally want to do that. Like certain little fills or a lot of Van Halen like has this almost shuffle feel to it that sort of gallopy shuffly feel didn't 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 and um while i do so much uh triplety sort of stuff in claim of throne to break it up into a gallop or into a, a shuffle is like oh freaking hell that's really challenging to have that little bit in between mm. that missing note yeah so yeah it's like oh okay maybe i should be learning more songs because i got better as a drummer like back in our day because we were we were we were constantly um learning tracks because we used to play heaps of covers together and yeah you know and i I think maybe i'm losing that and maybe part of songwriting is learning other people's shit yeah like i get inspired i've done a few things recently for other bands and it's like i would never ever do this if it was up to me but if it's if it's your call and you want me to play this i'll do it and then go to play a claim of throne gig after i'm like oh my god my left hand is way better oh it's because i had to do this yeah certain style that forced me to do it it just improved me a little probably bit. a good thing about being a drummer i suppose because they're pretty a good drummer is hard to come by 
and someone that can play in time. So you probably, yeah, you're quite fortunate in that respect, I reckon, because you get to experiment with all these different, you know, slightly do all different genres within the metal banner, you know what I mean? Like fucking hardcore, metalcore. Freak. <laughs> Freak. And, uh, you know, like the Cannibal Corpse's styles and, the you know, all this sort of thrash and then you've got Claim the Throne, you know, so... You're probably pretty fortunate that you get to experiment and do different things for different people like that, which would expand your writing ability and from a drummer sense, which I think like heaps of drummers are awesome songwriters, you know what I mean? Like all dudes that play guitar that were drummers, you know what I mean? Like I think Dimebag started out on drums, didn't he? Really? I'm pretty sure. Don't quote uh, me. That's crazy. Did he? I don't know. I have no idea. Somebody, somebody write in to the podge. Do you learn many songs mm. of other people? Not anything I don't have to. Like I played <laughs> I played my mate down the aisle for his wedding and played some finger picking style stuff. That I you made was, up or you learned? No, I think it was like Canon Packerbell's Canon in D or something like that. Nothing that I don't have to do. Like I was saying with the Van Halen thing, it's like on guitar as well, I hear other things and I go, Oh, that's an interesting concept. Gotta be beneficial learning other people's shit. Yeah, it's like cooking, for instance. You watch a cooking show and they make like this perfect looking steak or something like that or a a friggin' flanged radish or some shit and then you're like it looks so simple and they make it look good because they they know how to do it and then you go to do it yourself and if you don't know the ins and outs of it you're gonna serve up a uncooked steak and Mm. it looks good on the outside so you you then need to practice that or give it a whirl in like reality to sort of get a good good grasp of how to actually pull that off yeah because, yeah, I love like listening to um, fucking hell, like Pink Floyd. You were playing some Pink Floyd on the old Strat before. <laughs> and, yeah, unless you actually get that, there's that big bend in the um, Another Brick in the Wall too, which is what you and me were mucking around <laughs> on just before. And that's a huge bend up. And you said originally, like, isn't it higher than that? Does he have a 24-fret guitar and Strat's a 21, I think? And it's like, no, nah, he's been making a – yeah. he's been using no an idea. old Strat from years and years before. Yeah. There's no way he'd have it. We were probably fret. out of key. Probably. But it's like, it's like, oh, until you actually sit down, you realize, oh, no, he's just bending a whole a tone piece or something. Out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is Mad pretty crazy. Dog. So I don't know. Maybe we should be learning other people's songs here and there, just peppering it in. Yeah. Even probably. if it's just, a, sorry, not a whole song, like a riff. Yeah. I mean, I probably do, yeah, I probably do learn the odd riff here and there, and which has also been a slight downfall to my guitar and career is I always learn riffs here and there and you play like a couple of riffs from the song and people are like, yeah, sit, keep going. You're like, yeah, that's all I know of that riff. Yeah, repeat. That song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does the rest of it go? Yeah, fuck, got no idea, man, but that riff is the sickest. That's yeah. not a downfall though. Who cares? Oh, I don't give a shit. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. just sometimes you, you feel like you've disappointed someone because, yeah, yeah. oh, man, can you play this song? And you play the first riff. Yeah, six, six. Yeah, keep going. That's all I know. Maybe that's where music theory comes into it though. <laughs> like it, sound, it sounds crazy and it's pretty hard leap to make. You have to edit out all my little... <laughs> 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 yeah, there's a lot of... In, in I do that, Cab is a, an unhappy um, fellow... The thing I like about QR codes... I remember when I was a kid, people used to say about metal, you know, seriously, metal is like close to jazz <laughs> or it's close to classical and that's why it's really good and normal people can't understand it. That's why they didn't like it. <laughs> you ever hear that shit? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, ever listened to jazz before? 
This shit's crazy. Well, well, well. It depends. Again, it depends what, what sort kind of jazz, of jazz you're yeah, talking about. True. Yeah, fusion sounds pretty nutty, but if you break down what these things are, it's not that. It is crazy, and you got to pay a lot of attention to technique, and you got to learn all the theory. But if someone tells you, "Oh, this is a bar of Lydian, a bar of Dorian, a bar of Dorian, a bar of this," you know, and they mm. tell you, "You're like, okay, that's incredibly. I would never think to do that." And they're cha- literally changing keys every bar, yeah. but um, but it's easily explainable if they choose to explain it to you. Metal can come from anywhere, from complete virtuosos sort of thing that know ins and outs of theory, and then people who just have no idea of what they're writing. And that notes. as well is that what you're getting at, or not? Sort of. If you look at a song like "Into Sandman." And you know the riff, the main riff, or whatever. When you hit the bridge, if you don't know it, someone goes, oh, man, you can't finish that song. Oh, spewing. And you're like, oh, damn, I should know it. If you know about music theory, you can probably just go like, oh, they're probably, maybe it's a key change. I'll try that. And then into the chorus and you might go, okay, I've been playing around the root and now I'm going to jump to the fifth for the chorus. And yeah. if you just know basic structural things like music really is kind of the same across the board and if it's kind of wacky then it can come across as dissonant but that could still be totally deliberate anyway i've been crapping on too much about bullshit so uh album of the week what have you been listening to for the last week that's good or oh, recently shit when i first got on apple music which you will know i was blowing my stack about it you've been loving apple music hey yeah it's been amazing just in my recent searches i've got ween <sighs> Um, the, Mollusk, the Mollusk, which is a awesome. fucking sick album. Yeah, I just that's played a few songs off it the other night and yeah, it just blew my stack at how versatile and awesome it was. Uh, I did listen to the new Fit for an Autopsy. It wasn't bad just because th- I was listening to a podcast with Will Putney, I think the dude's name is, who huh. is in Fit for an Autopsy and actually produces all their shit and is a is that what is that metal sucks podcast yeah 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 they got some new dudes on there i don't know i just haven't listened new to dudes on there yeah i don't know where the fuck they came from they got Chuckin rid of Chuck and yeah. yeah okay got rid of those guys i don't know why but yeah it was all right but i don't know for some it sounds like a lot of people are trying to do this like gojiri for mm. lack of a better word so not thing. quite genty, just before gent. Yeah, you know, bit. like the open strings and the fucking harmonic sweepy things and like... Raking. Yeah, but got that sort of stomping, they call junk, it the junk, elephant junk, junk, marching. Junk, junk. Yeah, that sort of riff about it, which was kind of cool. Wasn't Didn't really fucking Fit grab me. Fit for an autopsy. Oh, okay. Didn't really grab me by the sack or anything like that. But I did hear this band is called like Toxic Boy or something. It's like some Japanese or Chinese thrash. That was pretty cool. But then again, thrash gets kind of repetitive. So I haven't really listened to anything that's grabbed me by the, by the sack. Uh, no, well, you don't have to pick one. It doesn't really matter. No. I've been listening to just all sorts of shit. Um, but yeah, I'd say for me, Van Halen won <laughs> <laughs> this last week. It's a cool album. It's got cool production it's like eddie van halen's coming out party pretty much (laughs) just shredding but also some really awesome hooky songs and yeah just super cool i really enjoy it some shorter songs too which is real nice of course i went listening to my own compositions heaps yeah me too (laughs) cool well thanks mate no worries brother so what's the biggest why i'm there ridden yeah Uh get a point bells beach australia 
Well, well, no way Bells is bigger than YMA, bro. You'll be next year. Cody believes the 50-year storm is coming next year. 50-year storm. What's that? That's kind of a legend. No, it's real. It's absolutely real. Sumatra, missed you by about a week in Fiji. But I knew you wouldn't miss a 50-year storm, Bodie. turn into the biggest surf this planet has ever seen and I will be there. So will I. Yeah! 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 